0: Privilege of having a guest speaker with us, and she is no stranger to Grace Assembly. They have been here as participants in our church for some time. For those of you that may have come to some of the children's events, you've probably seen her take an active role in leadership of some of our children's worship teams. She is a graduate of Zion Bible College with a degree in theology. She is a credential holder of the Assemblies of God. She also is the better half to Dan McLaughlin, our secretary treasurer of our network, and she is the mother of the McLaughlin clan. Would you please give a rousing welcome this morning to our speaker, Reverend Hallie McLaughlin. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Doug, and thank you for that welcome. It's my privilege to be here with you today. Uh, As he said, my name is Hallie, my husband, Dan, and our kids. We've been coming to this church for about five years, and I can truly say that we found a home here at Grace, as I hope many of you have. Uh, People here are our family now. So if you're new here, get plugged in, get connected, and I know that will happen for you as well. All right, today I want to talk to you about the blessed life. Would you consider yourself to be blessed? We associate being blessed with having good fortune, a desired outcome, comfort in our lives, right? Blessed has sort of become this cultural word. We even saw a few years back, people started the hashtag blessed, right? To kind of share with the world something good that's happened to them, maybe even sort of like a humble brag, like uh, I got a job promotion, hashtag blessed, or I got pulled over by the cops, but I didn't get a ticket, hashtag blessed. I can attest to that one. (laughs) Um, I spent the day soaking in the sun on my yacht, hashtag blessed. People even started using it ironically, like the bacon fell off my sandwich, but I caught it before it hit the ground, hashtag blessed. So we see this word blessed on pillows, wall decor, we see it on jewelry, half of Hobby Lobby, t-shirts. I'm wearing my blessed mama shirt today in honor of Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. I hope you feel honored and loved, maybe get some time off maybe get to not cook your own meal. Uh, my kids have found the way to my heart. Clean the house, right? So my husband got them all cleaning and they cleaned the whole house. It's nice and clean today. So if you want to come visit, today would be a good day to come do that. Um, so we use this word blessed in so often in so many different ways, what does it actually mean? I mean, if I don't have as much as somebody else, am I not as blessed? If somebody else's life is easier than mine, if they have, more money, a bigger house, more put together, better looking, are they just experiencing God's blessings in a greater way than I am? Am I just doing something wrong? If I've been blessed with children while other people are struggling to conceive or have lost a child, am I more blessed than them? Or if I've never experienced uh, major health issues while other people are, am I more blessed than they are? If we look in the Bible at the word blessed, we see that in the New Testament, it's not connected to material prosperity. Actually, there's 112 references to the word blessed in the New Testament, and none of them are talking about material things. In fact, they're mostly connected with spiritual benefits, poverty, and even trials. Luke 11:28 says blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. James 1:12 says blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. And then of course in Matthew 5 the beatitudes blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. So blessings aren't necessarily connected with material benefits. It can't be something that can be taken away. We see Job in the Old Testament, he had many blessings, right? Health, wealth, children, and all of it was taken away. Uh, Growing up, uh, we didn't have a lot of money. We lived in the inner city, and there was a lot of crime. It wasn't unusual to see drug deals going down and shootings. I mean, a car bomb exploded in front of our house. I could tell you a lot, a lot of stories. But uh, my parents sacrificed a lot so that we could go to Christian schools and so that we could do all the activities that we wanted to do. And um, they would pray something over our family that the older I get, the more profound I think it is. They prayed that where God would wanna bless us financially, would he instead bless us spiritually. I'm really grateful that I grew up in that house where they understood that blessings weren't material things. And we did see God's hand on our family. I could tell you so many stories of miracles, of things that God did food would show up on our doorstep our washer and dryer would be healed i remember i needed a red sweater for choir my mom said to pray a few days later there's a bag on the doorstep with a red sweater in my size and i wasn't even surprised god did this stuff all the time right i remember god healed our car once so i called my dad i said dad you remember when god healed our car and he said what time which one so apparently god healed our car more than once but the one i remember we loaded down our station wagon, right? Two ex-cargos on the top. Bike rack with like five bikes. And we were going on vacation and we were driving over the hills of West Virginia. And sure enough, poof, the smoke just starts billowing out of the car. Transmission fluid starts flying back. The car behind us had to put their windshield wipers on. And we pull over and actually our car mechanic friend was traveling with us. He looks at the car and says, yeah, it's toast it you know it needs whatever it needed i'm not a car mechanic but it need, it was done for so we all got over we put our hands on the car we prayed god healed our car we went into the station wagon and we drove on our way and there's so many stories of that and i think about raising my own kids that's what i want them to know i want them to know god for themselves i want them to know his hand of blessing our spiritual benefits on their lives more than material things So being blessed isn't connected to those material things. We see that the word uh, that is used for blessed in the Bible, in the Hebrew, it's Esher, and in the Greek, it's Makarioi. And that means that to be joyfully content, to be happy, to be fully satisfied. Does anybody know the song from Bob Marley, Are You Satisfied With The Life You're Living? First service didn't know it. I don't know it either, actually. I uh, just came across it as I was doing the study. We didn't really listen to that. But here's one you might know. So a Disney movie, Big Hero 6, right? We see uh, Baymax, the personal health companion. Does anybody know what he says? You couldn't shut off until you said that you were fully satisfied with your care, right? Fully satisfied. How many of us can say that? Where does this fullness, where does this contentment, this joy come from? Where can I get some of that? Well, today we're going to be reading from Psalm 84, and we're going to see three ways in which God says that you're blessed. So if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and read that now, Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion. Verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Verse 12, Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive and active and that it has something to speak to us today. I pray, Lord, that every heart would be open, our minds would be attentive, our spiritual ears ready to listen, to hear what you have to say to each one of us individually today through your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let me give you a brief context of this psalm. It's actually a psalm of pilgrimage. It was written as a song for the Jews to sing as they journeyed and made their way to the temple to worship. They could only do that a few times a year, maybe three at the most. And it was written by the sons of Korah. They were a Levitical group of men who worked in the tabernacle and the temple. King David appointed them to be a choir. And so they would write songs and they would also be doorkeepers, as we heard in that verse. All right, so let's look at this. Three ways that God says you'll be blessed or fully satisfied. Number one, we're blessed when we dwell in his house. The psalmist here is envious of those who get to dwell or live in the presence of God. That would be the priests. Those were the ones who got to actually enter into his presence. They actually made their dwelling there in the temple, as opposed to just being able to come to the temple occasionally. The psalmist was even jealous of the birds who got to make their home near the altar of the Lord. See, the temple officials wouldn't tear down the nest. They wouldn't kill the birds because they figured it was God's house. He could do what he wanted with them. And so the birds got to free flyly, fly freely. There we go. (laughs) They got to free, they got to fly. I'm not going to say that anymore. They got to build their nest right near the altar of the Lord. We know what happens at altars, right? Animals of all kinds are killed there, but not the birds. They got to live in the safety and the protection of God in his presence. And I love that for us. When we're in God's presence, we can be worry-free too in the face of danger. We can fly and be worry-free. So we're blessed or fully satisfied if we dwell in God's house. What does that mean to dwell in God's house? Well, in the Old Testament before Jesus came, the tabernacle and the temple is where God's presence was. But now the Bible says that we are God's temple. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? So we can do more than just visit his presence. We can live there. We can dwell there. We can abide in his presence every day. Can you imagine if we had to run to church every time we wanted to be in his presence? Every time we wanted to hear from God? Every time we needed our sins forgiven? But no, we get to live there. God's spirit is always in us. But how often are we aware of his presence? I love the moments when I get to have uninterrupted times with God. I know, uninterrupted times, right? As a mom, anybody can attest to that? Maybe it's a little rare. You know, it's hard to find those times. I mean, even when writing this sermon, I got interrupted a million times. My kids are always with me. And I homeschool, so they are always with me. And I do love that. But there's times that, you know, especially as an introvert, you just need times alone, right? Uh, Going to the bathroom comes to mind. Uh, But inevitably, as soon as you get in there, where's Mom? knock, 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 or I see chubby little toddler fingers poking under the door. Um, I hope you do get time to set aside to be with the Lord, even if you do get interrupted a lot. And as a side note, I was thinking about it. It's really good for your kids to see you reading your Bible and praying. If you have kids still living at home with you, I used to close my door when I did my devotions because, you know, you want to be uninterrupted, but it's really good for them to see you doing that. But let's be realistic, right? We don't have hours to soak in God's presence every day. Um, I read this book as a teenager. It's called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. It's uh, about a 17th century monk who decided that the presence of God should not be just reserved for church services or prayer times, but rather that... It should be invited into all the areas of our life. He worked as a cook and then cleaned the dishes at a monastery. Wasn't very, you know, wasn't a very glamorous job. It wasn't a very spiritual job. But Brother Lawrence decided to take those mundane tasks and invite God's presence into every part of his life, into everything he was doing, and have this ongoing conversation with God. So not just going to God when things are wrong or when we have no other option, or even in moments like this, designated to be in God's presence, but inviting God's presence into every aspect of your life. The house of the Lord is your kitchen, when you're preparing the umpteenth meal, the house of the Lord is your laundry room piled high with laundry. The house of the Lord is your workplace where you might be feeling stressed out or mistreated. The house of the Lord is your long car ride or your campus, your school campus or your living room or wherever you are and whatever you're doing. I like that hymn. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. I don't know about you, but I need God moments moment every time I'm breaking up yet another fight with my kids or every time I'm feeling stressed out at how messy the house is or you know when just whenever I'm annoyed at how little I've accomplished in the day what about you what are your moments where you need to invite God's presence into Christ lives in you and you are in him we're inseparable he's our life source John 15 4 says abide in me as I also abide in you as we dwell with God and invite Him into every area of our lives, we start to become made like Him. We don't have to clean ourselves up before we come to God. He does that for us. Just come to Him. He'll clean you up. Our two-year-old, nam he loves to eat. (laughs) He doesn't really know how to eat, meaning like he just shoves everything in his mouth. It's kind of funny to watch, but also kind of scary because he just shoves it all in his mouth. And um, he gets so messy, I bet you didn't know what damage one M&M could do in the hand of a toddler. (laughs) I mean, it gets everywhere. And he's at the point now where if he has a dirty diaper, he'll run and get a clean diaper and wipes, and he'll run to us. He he wants to show us. He knows where to go to get cleaned up, right? It's like us, we need to run to the Lord. He'll clean us up. Unlike our four-year-old, Miss Independence, truly, she makes just as many messes, right? Paint a whole box of cereal or glitter. That's like forbidden in our house, a forbidden word now, glitter. But uh, she makes those messes, and she tries to clean them up herself. She presents herself, I cleaned it up, and the evidence of the mess is all around her, obviously. And we can be like that, too. We act like we have it all together. And how many times do we present ourselves in that way? I like to call it the perception of perfection. I want to carefully craft how other people see me, Uh, I have this perpetual pile of laundry in my house. We do a lot of laundry, like four loads a day. It's a lot. And it just sits there taunting me, right? When am I gonna get the necessary energy or motivation to clean it up? And um, usually when people come over, we tidy up the whole house, and if we don't have time to do the laundry, we take it all upstairs and shove it in a room and close the door. (laughs) Tell me I'm not the only one who does that. (laughs) Okay, thank you, Jen. Make me feel a little bit better about myself. But now I'm just kind of at the place. I might still do that, but most of the time if you come over, the laundry pile will be sitting there, okay? That's our life. We don't have to put ourselves together. I think that's the reason social media can be so damaging, right? We only see the good, what people let us see, the best parts of their life. Here's a picture of our family at Christmas Eve. We all look great. We're smiling at the camera, right? What you don't see is the behind the scenes stuff, okay? During the service, shoving the food into the toddler's mouth to keep them quiet, cleaning up their sticky hands from the candy canes, uh, yelling at the kids to stop crawling under and over the pews as soon as the service let out. Okay, let's all get on stage, let's take a picture. Where's Amos and Audrey? Okay, they're on the other side of the sanctuary talking with their friends. Everybody, come on, get here. Everybody look at the camera, smile. And it's good. And this is what you see, right? And that's often what you see, the perception of what people want you to see. But I want to tell you something. God doesn't need you to do anything. He doesn't need you to be anything. He already chose you. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly who I am, all of the parts, and he still chooses to love you, to love me. He just wants you to come and be with him, be in his presence. He wants you to be invited. He wants to be invited into every aspect of your life. He wants you to dwell, to live in his presence, not just once a week, not just once a day, not just an occasional crying out to him. So we're blessed or fully satisfied if we dwell in his house. Secondly, we're blessed when our strength is in God. Verse five says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. So the Valley of Baca here, Baca means tree or shrub in a dry and arid place. It can also mean weeping, the Valley of Weeping. Wow. maybe some of you are going through a Valley of Weeping today. Who would wanna stay there? No wonder the psalmist is longing for the courts of the Lord. It says they set their hearts, I love this. They set their hearts towards God. They're pointed in the right direction. Even while in the valley, they put their hearts towards the Lord. I get to serve with our GKD worship team, leading our kids in worship, and I work with a lot of the teenagers. I love working with them, shout out to all my teens out there. Um, I call them to a standard of leadership, right? It's a privilege to lead people in worship, but I say to them, you don't have to be perfect, right? We're all on different places of this journey. What's important is that your heart is turned towards God, right, you could be sprinting, you could be walking, you might be crawling, but are you crawling towards the Lord? You could be on a mountaintop or a valley but set your heart towards the lord notice it says as they pass through the valley that means they won't always be there you won't always be there i know it's easier said than believed when you're actually living in that valley we remember what it's like what our life used to be like we long for when we're going to be out of this valley and in god's presence but right now right now we're in the valley we won't always be there But it's important not to try to escape the season that God has you in. He wants to use that time in the valley. He wants to bless you and make you fully content in him. I don't know about you, but God's had to deal with me over the sin of escapism. I don't like this place I'm in right now. I'm depressed. I'm overtired. I'm overworked. And I just want to escape from it for a little while. Instead of running to God for our strength, we cover up all these emotions We can do that in a lot of unhealthy ways, right? Drugs, alcohol, pornography, all these things. But for me, it was more like just shutting myself away from my kids and going on my phone, watching shows or scrolling social media. When we're in those valleys, when we're in those dark places, it's really important we don't try to escape them or we try to strive to fix them ourselves. We can't. God wants to make Him our strength. He wants to give us a life that we don't have to escape from a life that's fully satisfied in Him alone, no matter what we're going through. I said the word blessed is often associated with pain. Pain is a lot of times used to bring about the life that God wants in us. Pain and trials can bring us to our knees, crying out to God. Pain can transform us and bring us to a place of rest in God alone. It can help us to long for God's presence, like the psalmist was longing for God's house yes it's painful i can't wait for the season to be over i can't wait for it to be done but we can actually get to the place where we can have joy and contentment even in the valley of weeping james 1 to 2-3 says consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance god is doing something in us he is always at work he uses whatever comes our way even the bad to transform us and make us into his image He cares more about our spiritual development than He cares about our comfort. I know that's a hard truth, but sometimes we get too comfortable, and we don't need God when we get too comfortable. But pain can help us to cry out to God. And when we let God be our strength, the very things that we're complaining about, the very things that are bringing us to our knees, are the things that are used to shape us more and more into His image. It's easy to let the Valley of Baca become this place of bitterness, this place of anger and self-pity. Why, God? Why is everything so hard? Why do I have to go through this? But God says he wants to make the valley a place of springs. Verse 6. Notice it says they make it a place of springs, or in some version, they make a well. Does that mean we do it ourselves? No. But we have a choice to make when we're in that valley. Are we just going to sit down and mope, or are we going to start to dig? are we going to start to dig a well? As we dig deeper into who God is, we dig deeper into his presence, we dig deeper into his words, then God will fill those wells with rain from above. He will fill our hearts. To the degree that our hearts pursue God in those valley moments is the degree to which God will fill you and strengthen you. That's important. I know those moments are the, probably the last moments. I know that I felt that. The last moments you want to just push in and go deeper to God. But those are the very moments that's what you need. And not just a little ditch. Dig down deep. Dig a well. And God will fill that up. He will make the very spot we were weeping a, a personal oasis for us right there in the desert. Verse 7 says they go from strength to strength. We can find new levels of strength for the journey, kind of like a rest stop. There's nothing like when you're driving on a long highway in the middle of nowhere, maybe somebody has to go to the bathroom, and you see a rest stop, right? And you get out, and you can stretch your legs, and get the refreshment you need, maybe take a quick cat nap, and you get the necessary strength for the next leg of the journey. I sometimes like to take my kids to visit my parents in Pittsburgh, and so we'll take a couple different pit stops on the way. First, we stop in Buffalo, and we visit Dan's parents, and then we drive two more hours to Erie. Do you know what's in Erie? Chick-fil-A. I know, we're spoiled now, we have like two Chick-fil-A's near us, but it hasn't always been that way, and when I'm driving on 90, and I'm just getting tired, I see the exit for the Lord's chicken, right? Some <laughs> people call it, and we can just get out, my kids can run around in the play place, I don't even care about germs, and I get to be greeted by somebody who says it's their pleasure to serve me. I get the necessary strength for that last two hours to make it to Pittsburgh. It says they go from strength to strength, in the American standard version says till every one of them appears before the lord everyone that means you i don't know what you're going through i can't even imagine what some of you have been through what some of you are going through right now but this i know god has not forsaken you god has not forgotten about you in the valley set your heart towards him Put yourself in the right direction, keep moving forward, dig those wells, and God will bless you when you don't try to make the the things fixed yourself, when you don't try to strive, when you don't try to escape your valleys. He will bless you, make you uh, content and even joyful as you make God your strength. So we're blessed when we dwell in God's house, we're blessed when we make God our strength, and finally, We're blessed or fully satisfied if we trust in the Lord. Verse 10 says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. What is a doorkeeper? Well, they were from the tribe of Levi, but they didn't get to be the priests. They didn't get to be the ones who went into God's presence. They had to be on the outside at the gates. Their job was to open the gates in the morning, close them at night. They had to guard the storehouses, the temple treasures, and they had to guard to make sure that no unclean or foreign person could enter. They had a hard job. Doorkeepers stood as a reminder of just how precious, just how special God's presence actually was. If we look back, to the beginning, the Garden of Eden, right? We see that Adam and Eve had free access to God. They walked with God, they talked with God. But when sin entered the picture, that's when the guard, the angel, had to stand there. Even in the Old Testament, we see that God called people to himself, but only so close. We see Moses with the burning bush, or Mount Sinai, or the Ark of the Covenant. The tabernacle and the temple, therefore, were these miracles of God's physical presence with them. But even those were heavily regulated. There were rules of who could go where and how you had to approach. So these doorkeepers, they had a hard job. They had to uh, stand for hours at a time. It was probably boring at times. It was not glamorous. But the psalmist says that they'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God, as close to God as they could, than dwell in the tents of the wicked. The tents of the wicked here connotes all that the world has to offer, right? Money, power, status, temporary pleasures. How many times do we run to other things instead of running to God? I mentioned that my kids always wanna be with me even if I'm doing something boring. I get a personal audience every time I cook dinner (laughs) and lunch and breakfast for that matter. They're always right there watching me. Sometimes they cheer me on, sometimes they're more like the harsh uh, judges in a cooking show, right? (laughs) Why are you making that? What is that? I don't like that there doesn't matter what I'm doing. I could be putting my makeup on. I could be sitting in bed. They almost always choose to be with me, even if something else more exciting is offered to them. Hey, guys, don't you want to watch TV? But, you know, it's those moments that I've kind of been annoyed that God has spoken to me. Hallie, they just want to be with you. It's like God saying to us, I just want to be with you. Just come and be with me. Choose me over everything else. Because only I can fill you to satisfaction. All these things we fill our lives with. Our lives are so full, running from here to there. Are we actually happy? We know that things cannot satisfy us. Things cannot transform us. We can only be happy and fully satisfied when we trust in the Lord. We can trust Him instead of running to all these other things. We can trust Him instead of trying to figure it out on our own. We can trust Him because of who He is. He is faithful. He will never let you down. He will never leave you. He will never lie to you. He is always good. And when we truly know who He is, we'd rather be with Him than anywhere else. I'd rather have nothing and be with God. I'd rather be in the valley with Him than anywhere else. I'd rather go through these hard times and have a life that has meaning and fullness and satisfaction. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. And when we truly trust him, we have to give up surrender. Now, this is hard. It's really easy to talk about surrender, to sing about surrender. But when we actually surrender, we have to climb up on that altar and die to our own will, our own preferences, and say, okay, God, not my will, but yours be done. And nothing in our lives, nothing we face should be exempt from that surrender. We stop trying to figure it out. We stop trying to make ourselves better. We stop trying to escape from our lives and strive for everybody to see us in a good light. We stop trying to fill our lives with things that won't satisfy. And we simply enter into the presence of God and dwell in his house. We trust that Jesus is enough. You see, Jesus made the way as the ultimate doorkeeper. He humbled himself when he came down to death on a cross. He humbled himself to a lowly place and he flung those gates wide open and he said, all are welcome. It doesn't matter if you're a sinner, if you've messed up your life, if you feel broken or unclean, come and enter the gates. All are welcome to have free, personal access to the presence of God what a privilege we have we can dwell in the house of the Lord we can be in his presence any time of the day no matter what we're doing we are truly blessed we can live fully satisfied lives no matter what season we're in and I want those blessings in my life even if they're painful because ultimately God's greatest blessings are god himself god's greatest blessings for you are god himself and god is enough as i wrap up today i want to give you just three quick application points that we can use to help us what i talked about number one turn the mundane into holy moments invite god's presence into every area of your life number two turn suffering into surrender. Look to God for your strength when you're walking through those valleys. And number three, fill your life with things that will satisfy. Trust that Jesus is enough.